0: Afternoon or evening, for wherever you may be joining us from today, welcome to the Life Church Podcast. God, we thank you that your presence is in this room. God, we thank you that you're here by the power of your spirit. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you to the team for leading us into worship. I want you to lift your hand up and ask God to speak to your heart right now through the word of God. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. God, we pray today, God, as your word goes forth, it would speak to us, God. Lord, I pray that your word would convict us, God. I pray that your word would stir us today. God, let it speak to my heart today in Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. God bless you as you take your seats. Praise God. It's great to be in God's house today, amen. Are you grateful? I am so grateful that I go to a church where I can experience the presence of Almighty God. Hallelujah. I wouldn't want it any other way. Last week, the first Sunday of December, we began a brand new Christmas series called The Outsiders. We started in the book of Matthew, and we found out as we started reading in Matthew chapter 1, there's four seemingly unsuitable women found in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Considered outsiders. It was Tamar, Ruth, Rahab, and Bathsheba. And they all had a scandal tied to their name, really each of them an outsider that probably shouldn't be here. But we found that each became a part of the miracle of redemption. The truth that we learned last week or the truth that we should have learned last week is you're never too far. Aren't you glad for that today? You're never too scarred. You're never too unlovable. You're never too unlovely for Jesus to take the mess of your life and turn it into something beautiful. He takes our brokenness. He takes our ugly parts and he transforms them all of us today are we should be grateful for that but but we have a temptation as people that get touched by god we have a temptation to sometimes start to judge those around us we become religious we become spiritual people and it's easy for the religious and the pious and the spiritual ones to identify those that probably shouldn't be here. They shouldn't be a part of salvation's story. But God's word let us know at the conclusion of that message last Sunday, 1 Corinthians 6 and 11. And such were some of you. Unlovable, amen, scarred, broken, a mess, I want you to point at somebody and saying, such were some of you. None of us have any right to judge who shouldn't be here. But we are washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. None of us should be here but we are, hallelujah. None of us fit the story. None of us are good enough, but he has transformed us. He's washed us. My sins are no longer a part of me because they've been washed. I've been justified. I've been sanctified by the spirit of our God. We are never more like Jesus than when we make room For the outsider. And we're never more like the world when we are quick to reject and exclude someone who is struggling. When a church starts reaching for the outsider, the fallen, the broken, those with all kinds of messes. And you know what, today in this world, there's very few people without a big mess. Amen? Back in the day, people had like little messes. But today, there's very few people without a big mess, but it doesn't matter how big the mess is. When a church starts reaching for those people who are the outsiders, the demons start to tremble. T.F. Tenney, one of the great pioneers from Louisiana. He was a friend of mine, one of the elders in my life. He used to come to the church that I was at in Virginia every year, at least once. And as I was preparing to leave Northern Virginia to come to Canada to Pastor Life Church, he told me this. He said, you want to build a great church, Pastor Steve? He said, what you have to do is love people and be there for those who are hurting. That's all you got to do. You don't have to be a great preacher. You don't have to have all the bells and whistles. You don't have have to have the right preacher name. All you have to do is love people and be there when people are hurting. And he said, You will grow a great church. I believe what he said is true. Life Church has adopted the motto We are Life Church, loving God. What is the second part? Loving people. God's people are at their best when we are reaching out, when we are pulling people close, all their troubles, all their problems, all their messes. If we get to the point we start pushing people out, I'm telling you, God's going to shut the place down. But if we would always be open to love people at the point of their need and start to let the love of Jesus flow through us, God will help us to grow a great church. So today, that that was last week's stuff, okay? Today, we're gonna focus on another outsider in the Christmas story. You know, the Christmas story at its beginning was simply a man and a woman, Mary and Joseph, two individuals coming to Bethlehem, but one of them was forgotten. He said, really? This should be interesting. Let's look, let's look what the word of God says in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Today I'm reading from the King James Version. The Bible says, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We've heard this story read year after year in churches. At our house on Christmas morning, we get up and we read the Christmas story. Before we do any activities, any opening of presents, we always read the Christmas story. This account of the first Christmas, we've heard it. Seven verses. But have you stopped to realize what was going on in these seven verses? There's a lot of sadness. You know, we, we, we don't like the sad parts of the Christmas story. We, we, we read this and then we jump to the spectacular stuff. We like the angels showing up on a hillside. Isn't that grand? The spectacular stuff. We, we like it when, you know, the, the, the star appears and the wise men travel. Those are the, the cool parts of the Christmas story. But in these first seven verses of Luke chapter 2, there's misery in the midst of the majesty. It's an ugly backdrop. But it's going to bring forth a glorious promise. There's tyranny. There's taxation. There's decrees by the government or mandates. There's inconveniences. And there's a long, tedious trip for a young, expectant mother. She's traveling probably at a point of her pregnancy, she should not be going anywhere. There's no midwife when she decides or God decides that it was time. There's no woman to support her and encourage her at this first birth. And it was in the midst of all that that the Bible says she brought forth her firstborn son, Without a doctor, without a nurse, she was a brave young lady. She had to be. Mother wasn't there, sister wasn't there, no friend or cousin there to help with this process. Think about that. Those women of you, I, of course, I've not done this, but I've been there a couple of times. Can you imagine doing this all by yourself? let let that sink in for a moment. But she brought forth her firstborn son. Taxation, government overreach, decrees, mandates, inconveniences. And the Bible says she wrapped the baby herself. I was there when Luke and Grace were born. I didn't have to wrap the baby, and she didn't have to wrap the baby. There were probably six other people in the room. Anesthesiologists, the delivering doctor, nurses. I mean, they did did it all for you. Here was Mary. She didn't have the matching blanket and pajama set that she had just got from the latest baby shower. The Bible says she wrapped this baby in swaddling clothes. Strips of cloth. That's how our Savior was born. He came into a stable. We, we make it look pretty. We make it look nice. Stables that are functioning stables are not that nice. Nice. There's a lot of stuff on the floor of a stable. His majesty was placed in a manger. We make that look good on a Christmas production. It was a feeding trough for animals. Mary was there. Joseph was there. And this baby came. You know, in this Christmas story, Joseph is the forgotten person in the story. He's there. But you hear very little from Joseph. Mary, if you go back to the the scripture, she has this big, long song that she sings. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God. And she sings this whole song. She's got a voice in the Christmas story. The angels, they have their part in the story. In excelsis Deo, they sing the glory to God in the highest. We sung it this morning. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. But Joseph he says nothing. Now, I'm sure there was some conversation, but in the word of God, he's silent in the Christmas story. We forget that sometimes. Joseph, in this story, was the outsider. Yes, he was betrothed to Mary. He, and that means... In that day, it was a two-part process. There there was the engagement or the betrothal or the espousement. It was the covenant promise that this man was at one day in the future going to marry this girl. And the girl, the Bible lets us know and, and history lets us know that she probably was a very young teenager, 13, maybe 14 years old. So that was the first step of the process. And the second second step of the process would be the formal marriage. So they were in between step one and step two when something unexpected happens. Mary finds out. She discovers. She hears from an angel that she is going to be with child. Now the punishment under Jewish law For this, at worst, it would be stoning, and at best, it would be public shaming. Joseph, the Bible lets us know in the story of Joseph, he decides he's gonna sever this contract. He's gonna cut this thing off. It wasn't necessarily gonna work out. He wasn't one to embarrass her. He wasn't one to point out her sin. But he, the Bible says he planned to divorce her secretly. But an angel showed up. Joseph was getting ready to go through with the divorce. But in this moment, we find out how Joseph, the qualities that he had, and what kind of a man he truly was. You know, God chose Mary for the role of Mary. And I believe as much as God chose Mary God chose Joseph. Joseph had to fulfill God's plan for his life as much as Mary had to fulfill God's plan for her life. Well, Joseph was wondering what to do with Mary, the Bible says he falls asleep and an angel comes to him in a dream. And this is what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20. But while he thought on this, these things, he was thinking about getting rid of this scenario, like cutting this thing off. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Joseph awakens out of this dream, and instead of heading to the divorce court, instead of taking Mary and and getting this thing ended, the Bible says Joseph took Mary as his wife. I'm amazed at this. Joseph was instantaneously obedient to what God spoke into his life. His obedience is astounding to me. All Joseph needed was one simple dream with one simple promise that this is of God and God is in it. And he, he just, he didn't say anything. He just embraced it. He understood that he was probably the fifth wheel. In all of this big scheme right now, he understood that he had a role to fulfill. He wasn't the father, but he was gonna be the earthly father in Jesus' life. He was someone that was gonna be snickered about as he walked through town. He was one that was going to have to endure the whispers of all the ladies checking their calendars. Wondering about the date of the marriage and the delivery. Someone had to raise this boy. A boy that was not his own. Someone had to realize that this story, that this happening is not all about me. Someone had to forget themselves a little bit and become the forgotten because this was the plan of God's redemption. And God was fulfilling his plan for Joseph by Joseph stepping in and being that earthly father. I just want to say, Joseph was instantaneously obedient to the word that came from the angel. A little bit later, Herod decides he's going to kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem. And the Lord speaks to Joseph again in a dream. Matthew 2 and 13 says it like this, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. Man, Joseph was just, boom, obedient. Take the child, go. He awoke the next morning, took the child, and went. We can learn a lot from this guy. Sometimes we need God to speak 17 times. We need a, you know, the sky to open up and writing in the sky and phone calls from three preachers saying, this is the will of God for your, we, we, we need a lot of stuff to be obedient. He was instantaneously obedient. Now, in these two verses, I, I put these two, made sure they were both on the screen at the same time. Notice, you, you kind of miss it at the first when you first look at it. But notice what it says here. The angel says, arise, take the young child and his mother. It says it once, later on in 14, he took the young child and his mother. It's repeated. Basically, what the angel is saying, this is not your child. Didn't say take your child and the mother. Take the young child and his mother. Joseph, you're the outsider in this Christmas story. He could have been resentful. This child is just messing my life up. I mean, I'm, I'm being inconvenienced here. I have to move here all because of this baby, this little boy, and I, I'm not even the father. I don't like being this inconvenienced. Egypt, who wants to go to Egypt? But he arose from the dream and obeyed instantly, departed for Egypt. You see, Joseph had to forget himself in this story. And I'm challenging us at Life Church today. Sometimes you and I have to forget about ourselves in God's story for us. In fact, Jesus told us in the Word of God, I don't have a scripture for this, but you'll know this verse it says, We must lose our life for His sake. And if we do that, we'll find it. But if we try to hold on to our life, we will ultimately lose it. You know, if you're a parent here today and you're trying to raise a family, I want to tell you today, it's not all about you. If you want to raise a godly family, if you want to have a godly legacy to leave to your kids, it's not all about you. We have to give up our preferences. We have to give up our ambitions sometimes. We have to give up some things in our life, our desires, our plans, our dreams sometimes, because it becomes all about our children. We have to be willing to say, God, thy will be done. Not my will, not my preferences not my desires, not my ambitions, but God, in your plan, in, in your purpose for me, God, help me to understand that I need to be submitted to your will. In fact, right now, I want you to lift your hand and I, say, I want you to pray. If you can pray it right now, I'm saying if you can pray. And I want you to pray, God, not my will, but thine be done. God, not my will, but God, I want your will to be done in my life. God, it might be inconvenient at times. It might not make sense at times. God, sometimes you're going to ask me to do things that I really don't want to do, but God, I want my life to count. I want my your plan to be fulfilled in my life. It may mean inconveniences. It may mean being misunderstood. It may mean you being criticized by people on the job, all because you have heard a word from God. And you're going after it. Joseph could have said, I, I'm gonna forget all this. I'm the forgotten one in this story, so forget this. I'm getting the short end of this stick every single time. But he didn't. He, the Bible says, went to Egypt. Then in Egypt, now this story's not over yet. In Egypt, he has a third dream, and the dream says, okay, go back home. When he hears the dream, he he follows through on who he is. He's instantaneously obedient and heads back home. While he's traveling back home, the Bible lets us know he has a fourth dream. Check this out in the Word of God. When you go home, read, read this story again. The fourth dream says, don't go home to Judea go to Galilee, because there was a prophecy that needed to be fulfilled from the Old Testament. So he had to get to Galilee. And again, Joseph was inconvenienced. Every time, though, every single time, Joseph was obedient. Silently obedient to the voice of God. To follow God's plan. To follow God's purpose. To follow God's orchestrated plan for Jesus to be born and Jesus to be protected from King Herod and to Jesus to be at the right place at the right time so scripture and prophecy could be fulfilled. All so that you and I could have redemption. I'm telling you, this guy was obedient. And then we hear of Joseph one more time in the Word of God. In fact, it's the last time we hear of Joseph. Jesus was 12 years old. They had gone to Jerusalem for a feast, and Mary and Joseph and Jesus had gone, and the feast was over, and the caravan heads home. It was a different day back then, but a couple days into the caravan heading back home, they, where's Jesus? He wasn't with the caravan. So Mary and Joseph head back to the city. They end up finding Jesus three days later in the temple. And in Luke 2 and 49, the Bible says, He said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? What a slap in the face at some level to Joseph. Think about it. He knows he's the outsider, and now his 12-year-old is telling him, I must be about my father's business. Yes, you've taught me carpentry as a trade. Yes, that's your business, but I must be about my father's business. Basically what Joseph was letting him know, You've done a good job. Your work is done. I now know who I am. I now know where I'm going. And yes, the carpenter business is good, but that's not the business I'm in. Hallelujah. My business is not your business. My business is his business. And Joseph fades from the story. Joseph was a very instrumental character in the life of Jesus, preparing Jesus for his purpose. He came, the Bible says, to seek and to save that which was lost. Joseph was a part of that. He he played a profound role. He he, he lived his life. Everything he lived for was for this baby, was for this Jesus, to get him from here, to get him from there, to to there, to here, to somewhere else. When God spoke, he was instantly obedient. He followed God's plan. He fulfilled God's purpose. He had given up everything for Jesus. Jesus. In Matthew chapter 19, the disciples came to Jesus and they had a question for Jesus. They said, Jesus, in fact, it was Peter. Peter says, we we left everything to follow you. In fact, in Matthew 19 and 27, Peter answered him and said, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? These disciples had given up everything for Jesus. They'd given up their livelihood to follow Jesus. They'd given up friends and family to follow after this Jesus. Their dreams, their plans, their ambitions, they put it on hold. All to follow Jesus. Now Peter is wondering, is it really worth it? Has it been worth it, Jesus? To give up everything for you? You may be here today at Life Church and you may be wondering is it worth it? Everything I've given up for Jesus, is it worth it? I'm trying to do my best to follow His plan and, and live in His purpose, but, but it's not always working out, or it's so it seems. You know, we like it when God's plan is good. Amen? We like it when God's plan is, is, is blessings and God's plan just works out the way we think it should. We we love it. But what happens when when God's plan is not blessings? How do we respond when God's plan is all about His plan and it doesn't really come alongside my plans? You may be here today and feel like no one knows and God doesn't see you and You've given everything, but somehow you just feel a little forgotten by God. Sometimes we all feel like that. I love what Jesus had as a response to Peter's question. And this is what I believe God needs us to hear today. Matthew 19 and 29 says it like this. And everyone, someone say everyone everyone who has given up houses, brothers, sisters, father, mother, children, or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but that encourages me. That lets me know that God is keeping good records. You don't give up anything for him that he doesn't record it and he's got a reward for it. Hallelujah. There's nothing that you leave behind that won't be repaid at some point in some day. It's going to be repaid in this life and ultimately it's going to be repaid in that life when we get to have eternal life forever with him. Hallelujah. One more verse of scripture and I'm done. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. Read this one out loud with me. For God is not, stop right there. I want you to emphasize not when we read it again, okay? For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name. Whatever you've done, for him, Whatever you've given up for Jesus Christ, whatever challenge you face that didn't seem to be a part of your plan, but it was his plan, whatever, he's not unjust to forget it. But he's going to reward it. He's going to reward it. There's coming a day that the rewards are coming. Hallelujah. Joseph may have been the forgotten in the Christmas story, but his obedience will never be forgotten his quickness to surrender to the will of God the plan of God will not be forgotten and God's promise in his word to you and me today is your work will not be forgotten your labor of love will never be forgotten your sacrifices that you make in this life will not be forgotten doesn't matter how you feel right now. He's not going to forget it. You are not forgotten. As we stand today, as we are in the middle of this Christmas season, I believe that God has called me today to challenge you. It's time for us to surrender once again to God's plan and God's purpose, even if it doesn't make sense, even if you don't like where you're at right now. He's looking for a fresh surrender. He's looking for someone that will say, God, your word has said it. I'm going to obey it. I don't have to understand it. But God, I want to be like Joseph. I want to be instantaneously obedient to thus saith the word of God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you feel like you're someone that you need to surrender again, you're someone that you need to give God the chance to to come and refresh you again, I'm challenging you to step out right now. There are people already in this altar. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Some of you need to come to this altar today. God's looking for a fresh surrender from some of you today. Saying, God, I'm gonna surrender all. God, I'm not going to hold anything back. God, I don't like the plan at at some times, but God, I'm going to submit. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to give in to your plan for my life. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message spoke into your life, your heart, or whatever situation you may be going through. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us at lifechurch.ca on Instagram and on Facebook, just search Life Church and you will find our navy blue logo with the letters LC in the middle. Now before you go, we ask if possible from whatever platform you may be listening to us on, give us a rating or a review or even both and share this message with someone so that they can be impacted by the gospel of the love of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your support and love you all. Have a wonderful week and God bless.